Well, hello all, Mike Falkenstein here with 1A Catalyst. Together with my friend Steve Shermer of Silk Road Catalyst, I'm one of the co-hosts of Missions Talk. Missions Talk is a show where we have regular media content on best practices and inside looks into what God is doing around the world in missions, featuring guests that are involved in global missions from parachurch organizations, churches, and other missions networks around the world. We have a deep heart to help you find ways to reach your world for Christ. In today's episode, Steve and I have the privilege of talking to David Joannis with Within Reach Global about getting the gospel to the hardest to reach places. Well, hello, friends. Hey, Mike Falkenstein here with 1-8 Catalyst, welcoming you to the latest episode of Missions Talk. And we're so excited because we have our old friend, uh, David Joannis, with us. And, you know, David and Steve, you know, um, kind of got started together doing, you know, these uh, mission-focused uh, shows. And... It's so great to uh, to have you with us, David. Uh, once again, uh, welcome. Yeah, it's a gr- it's always great to be back with you guys. I feel like I'm always with kindred hearts and spirits. Not many mm. people talk the lingo of missions and Great Commission efforts and gospel deprivation, but whenever I'm on a call with you, I know it's going to be the main theme here. Yeah, we're so glad to be with you, and I agree that. Uh, you know, it's just really nice to be around people who are focused on the things you're focused on. And um, so we we always like having you with us. Um, so, Steve, we have a a great show today, don't we? Talking about this urgent call to reach the lost. And it seems like in some ways, Steve, it's something we talk about a lot. But as I just mentioned um, before we started, it's kind of something we need to talk about a lot, isn't it? Yeah. I agree. I mean, like David said, it's it's nice to be with people who, sorry, I'm fixing my microphone as we're talking. It's nice to be people who have kindred spirits on the same topic. Uh, now, I was actually talking with someone last night, um, and I've learned, and obviously, all, I think all three of us have experienced this, but it's someone that I've been um, kind of, uh, I wouldn't say I've gone out and tried to teach him about missions, but he's definitely come along for the journey and he's learning and he's, I'm seeing it grow. So yeah, you've got to talk a lot about any subject for people to really soak the information in. So here we are again. (laughs) That's right. And you know, part of it is it's such a, such an important topic. I mean, you know, partially because there, as we'll talk about here in a minute, there are just so many yet in our world who, who, who have, you know, not only do not know Christ, but have never even heard about him. And so, um, so our starting point today is a uh, story that the three of us um, know about already. And of course, we wanted to introduce it to the audience that, you know, in his the book, The Spiritual Secret of Hudson Taylor, uh, there's a story about Hudson. And for those of you who aren't familiar with him, you know, he was this um, English uh, missionary to China in the 1800s, one of the very first ones to go to these, quote unquote, you know, the in the inland provinces of China. And so he's in the book. It's talking about this new Chinese convert who um, asks Hudson Taylor, you know, how long have you had the gospel in your country? 
And Hudson sort of timidly says, you know, several hundreds of years. And of course, the Chinese friend, the new convert says, what? So several hundreds of years, you know, my father and his father before him were searching for the truth and died, never having to know about this truth. You know, why did you not come um, any sooner? And, you know, I think there just are a lot of people around the world that are sort of like that, you know, they're searching for the truth. And so, David, as you hear stories like that, what, you know, what comes to mind when you see that, you know, there are people who finally hear the words and hear the gospel and they go, man, if you only could have just come sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes me think of one of my favorite missions quotes. First of all, Carl F.H. Henry, who said, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. And we have the greatest privilege of knowing the gospel. It's the unearned advantage that's meant for everyone. And K.P. O'Hannon writes about this in Revolution and World Missions. He talks about how there's a small group of people hoarding this gospel access. Meanwhile, mm. millions, even billions, have never once heard it. And it just makes me <clears throat> makes me think how there are people waiting at the other end of our obedience. And I think this traverses just the missions world, right? You don't have to be talking in just the missionary context. Um, it, it's, a, it's a question of identity. If, if you understand who you are in this great revelation of knowing mm. Christ, that you are in him and he in you, as Ephesians says, right. uh, then naturally that identity as sonship uh, and daughtership, you know, being adopted into the family of God, results in or inevitably leads to sharing with others to know Christ to make him known if you if you distill the entire vision of God for humanity you know down to the simple thing we are imprinted with the imago dei we are mirroring his image his characteristics who he is that's how he created humankind and many people christians alike churchgoers will never share the gospel because they don't understand identity. They don't understand the sonship aspect of who they are in Christ. Knowing your identity leads to the destiny. And distill the whole gospel down. It's it's simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Know God and make him known. And uh, <clears throat> it's, it's amazing how few Christians, um, whether on the— you know, wherever they are, whatever geographic climate, don't understand who they are as adopted children of God and therefore can never walk out their destiny. You know, until you know your mm. identity, you cannot fulfill your your destiny. And mm. I'm sorry to go on so long, but I was just talking to somebody the other day about all these different groups and people adopting unreached people groups. And, um, you know, it's great that we adopt them. I have an adopted daughter. She's Thai. I remember submitting my application, but I didn't stop there, right? Right. This this leading others or sharing with others takes a process. For us, it took three years. But when I began the application process, I saw that thing through, and we worked, and we prayed, and we put more papers and stamps, and my daughter came (laughs) home to be with us. And mm. and so this identity of who she is, she's a Joannis now. She's my daughter, you know. And um, once she knows that, I remember the day her name changed legally from her previous name to our name. She 
from that day forward would always say, I love our family. We have a wonderful family. She says this all, all the time. She understood <laughs> her identity. And so she knows mm. the destiny of being included in our family. So I, I think that's distilling the gospel down and uh, knowing Christ and make him known. That's right. That's right. Boy, David, that's wonderful. Uh, some wonderful thoughts because, right, mm. it is actually true that, um, you know, if you are a disciple of Jesus, one thing that a disciple of Jesus does <clears throat> is uh, obey the oaths <clears throat> of Jesus, right? And yeah. he has commanded us to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. And um, kind of that disconnect, I think, is a major part of the problem that we're, uh, we're dealing with here. So, Steve, as you have heard David and you know, remember this story, of course, the the other part of that was at the moment that Hudson Taylor heard this from his Chinese friend, you know, it was a pain. They said that Hudson could just never forget this, you know, which deepened his earnestness in seeking to bring, um, you know, Christ to those who might still be reached. So as you as you sort of distill all of that down, what what thoughts come to your mind? So two things come to mind. Number one, I uh, I think about my colleagues in South Asia specifically, and I think about uh, you know those who have come to Christ and their parents have already passed away, or they passed away in mm. Hinduism or Islam or Buddhism. Uh, and I think, what would it be like to have been the receiver of the gospel at, at their age, knowing that their parents never had the chance to mm -hmm. hear it. And then mm, I, right. then I, then I go back to, as, uh, as David was talking, going back to, and, and I know David will know him, Joshua over in the Philippines from Malaysia, you interviewed him on mission pulse a couple of years ago, yeah. I think and I was talking mm -hmm. with him the other day and he, and I was asking him about why he is where he's at in the Philippines. Okay, why is he mobilizing there? Why is he not closer to Manila? Oh, and he was mm. he was describing well the churches where he's at. No one's up there mobilizing the churches, and the churches assume that everywhere in the world is just like him, so they have no concept of what the Great Commission is beyond the con beyond their little their little city that they're in. Uh, they don't think there's a need beyond themselves, and so mm. um, he sees that you know there are people in Manila mobilizing churches, but up in the northern part of the country, he hasn't come across very many people attempting to do that. So you've got, so those are kind of two different things, but tied together. You've got Christians who, uh, and when I went through the Explore book of um, uh, Christian for, uh, the Center for uh, Missions Mobilization, <laughs> Sorry, my mind was going blank there for a second. The the Explore book <laughs> that I love to use as a resource, a seven week um, mm. a study about uh, this, basically the the current status of the Great Commission and how to get involved, things like that. And I, I did that last year with a group, and one person. I've been a Christian for twenty three years, and I've never heard any of this. Wow! So they've gone twenty three years of their Christian life going to churches, being part of churches, being active in churches. And they had absolutely no concept that what was in that little study guide was reality. Um, yeah. But wow. the good thing, it has stirred something in their hearts. They're pursuing it. They're already supporting a missionary as a result. They're trying to learn more. But yeah, there's so many people that have, and, and this is America. 
And we've got what yeah. every mission organization in the world represented in the U.S., whether it's you know missionaries or a mission base or something, and they still had no concept of it. Oh, right. Yeah, not only uh, all these mission organizations, but also uh, just about every resource we would ever need, right? Um, between, you know, all the studies and all the commentaries and all the, I mean, you know, just the the vast wealth of, <laughs> uh, you know, content that we have. So, uh, so this obviously is not the point of this show necessarily, but Steve, you bring up a good point that, I mean, you know, I just think about, a Christian in in America who'd been a Christian for 23 years had never heard about any of this. So maybe from both of you, uh, why, like, what's the disconnect? Why is it that, uh, you know, we've not, th those people have never heard um, about the need and about, um, you know, the lost and uh, David, I'm curious, uh, kind of from your perspective, uh, why is it there are people in our churches that have not yet known about this immense need for the gospel around the world? Well, I haven't lived in America for 23 years, Mike. You're asking a dangerous guy, you know? Oh, <laughs> but I think you make um, some commentary from time to well, time. Well, no, I, yeah. I, I'm a culture junkie. I like to stay up on the recent Barna reports and Pew Research. In fact, I always point to the <clears throat> March 2018 report from Barna. 51% of churchgoers in America don't know what the Great Commission is. But beyond that, uh, I think it was just a, a few months ago, it might have been June or July this year, 2022, uh, came out with a new report based on that idea, but it was separating uh, parishioners from pastors and talking about <clears> – <throat> the desire of the pastor to become missions minded or have at least some sort of heart for missions. They've, they've studied theological backgrounds. They understand some aspects and many aspects of missions. And it found that I cannot remember the numbers off the top of my head, but the majority over 80% of pastors had a heart to mobilize their, not, not, not to, I, that's using the wrong words to see the great commission fulfilled. Um, meanwhile, the same report, describe parishioners or church goers as 20%, less than 20%. It was exactly the opposite of the pastoral heart for fulfilling this great mandate of taking God's proclamation to the world. Um, among parishioners, they didn't share that same passion, desire, or they're just completely ignorant of it. What Steve just shared is not an isolated story by any means. And uh, <clears throat> I thought that was really amazing it, it kind of it shows this this pressure uh, and you know juggle that the pastor has to do to continue to see church attendance right you have to keep the lights on so there right. are inevitably things that you have to speak into you don't want to upset the congregation and it wanes and then you know the church get not being able to pay the bills and then it closes down Th these things happen so I, I feel for pastors in, in the West. Um, however, I, I do think we have grown so accustomed to being risk averse. It's written to our DNA, you know, That's whoever right. you are. Um, and, and if you have this desire for God's great story, 
but you don't share it from the pulpit or you don't share it with your colleagues and friends. You know, we we have this tendency toward risk aversion and we need to mm. step into these things that God has given us because they matter. God, his kingdom and people, not much else matters besides that. That's right. Um, but uh, I understand the difficulty uh, of being a pastor in that position, trying to maintain a congregation and impart and and, and raise them up. And uh, but again, I, I think this falls back on on discipleship in a, in a large way, not just Sunday morning church attendance. Um, mm-hmm. That's lacking in in the West uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, that's that's part of. Part of the dilemma, uh, nothing that I said is part of the solution, but I think the dilemma is there. Right. That's right. It is. Uh, so, Steve, what do you think about that? I mean, why is it that there are people like this friend that you shared about uh, that are in our churches? I think it goes back to what uh, David said at the end. It's a discipleship issue. Uh, mm. You know, even today, I see it all the time where we're constantly uh, churches are constantly obsessed with Sunday mornings are great. I love Sunday mornings. I love going to my local church on Sunday mornings. I love uh, the teaching. You know, our pastor is extremely gifted at teaching. But, you know, churches across, whether it be here and you know what, I, I don't even want to just pick on America. I have seen the exact sure. same problem in China. I have seen it in India. I have seen it in Nepal. Personally, I've seen it mm. in the Middle East. Um, it is not, I mean, I would say there's, it's more common here because we don't have the pressures or, you know, I was just thinking this morning because, you know, yesterday I got a report of one of our colleagues that was in a village that was run by the Taliban. I don't have to walk outside and worry about what's around the corner or right. the threat of someone coming and attacking me for my faith. I don't live mm. under that threat. And so it mm. becomes, you know, as, as David said, we, and especially in America, we're risk averse. We're culturally risk averse. We want to avoid risk at all costs. And so, mm. uh, but I think it comes down to the discipleship issue. And I think it's a, it's a broken record. Well, people have been saying it for years, but we're so consumed with Sunday morning that Sunday morning is where we're getting discipled. I think that's a very small piece of the puzzle. Uh, you know, I, I agree with David. I, I, I'm not a pastor. I don't know what it's like to pastor a church anywhere. And I don't know the stresses of a pastor. But at the end of the day, if we're not deciding, you know, we're, people are only going to do what they've been taught and what they've been modeled well, you know, as I told uh, Mike, what was it last week? There was a professor at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, and he tweeted something about, you know, the things you're going to talk about what you love. You know, if you love sports, if you love the NFL, if you love the Dallas Cowboys, you're going to talk about them. You don't have problems talking about them. You don't need to go to a class to learn how to talk about the Dallas Cowboys if you love or the Denver Broncos <laughs> for Mike. Right. But, That's right. So, if you love Jesus, you're going to talk about him. If you're in love with everything about who he is, you're going to find ways to talk about him. You're not going to hide it. So if you're not talking about him, then the assessment may need to be done on whether or not, you know, where is your love for Christ? Because like mm. you said, you're going to talk about what you love. That's right. 
That's great. Well, we've opened up a lot of uh, potential things to talk about. So, um, you the know, three of us are I dangerous when we're together. Yeah, it, it really is. A lot of it's cans sort of like, being opened here. Yeah, we could really do a few shows probably just based off of some of this, right? But I do think that this idea of being us, us being risk averse would be something to <laughs> dive into a little, mainly because, <clears throat> again, you know, we talk about the the statistics of the the global loss, right? Um, somewhere over two billion, just over two billion in this world, two billion people um, have never heard the gospel once. Um, 3.3 billion uh, who are um, in an unreached people group, uh, according to Joshua Project. And yet we do have this great commission that calls us to proclaim the gospel and make disciples, right? Um, one of the verses that the three of us talk a lot about is the Matthew 24, 14, where Jesus says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So as we sort of dive into the need and yet the risk aversion of those who um, are called to go, um, I'm curious what you guys think about some kind of like, what are the first steps to maybe get over this risk aversion or to, because obviously you, you know, there's that phrase about, uh, there's that quote about, um, I think it was Albert Einstein that says, if you do the same things over and over <laughs> and expect different results, right? That's the definition of, um, you know, insanity or something. So it's one of these things where if you keep doing the same things over and over, you, you shouldn't expect a different result. So we should probably change it up a little. So, um, Steve, we'll start with you. This, how, how, what are the first steps to our churches getting over the risk aversion toward uh, better engagement to the those that are um, have yet heard the gospel? We need to be supporting. I guess one way to do it is we need to be getting behind people who who say they're called to go, rather mm -hmm. than discouraging them. But then at the end of the day, it, it's a hard issue. It always comes down yeah. to a hard issue. That's and right. so it, maybe it really comes down to dealing with the heart, our own heart. You know, why are we afraid to send our own? Why are we afraid to send a family with kids in tow to places that we deem dangerous? You know, whether they're dangerous or not. I mean, when, when my family moved to China, tons of people thought it was dangerous. Now, there was definitely right. a risk. But, I'm, you know, the three of us never at that time saw China as this, uh, this place where we just were tiptoeing around um, secretly as if we're part of the CIA or something, you know. <laughs> That's right. But we're afraid right. to send people. Yeah, I people. got it. Yeah. We're yeah. afraid to send people to India. We're afraid to send people to Japan. And Japan's not really a, 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 no. a high-risk environment. Uh, we're That's afraid right. to send anyone outside of our comfort zone because we think it's going to be yeah. something's going to happen to them. And mm. yeah, it really ultimately it comes down to the heart. If we don't address that, it doesn't matter what steps we give. Uh, those steps are never going to last. And, and then when our heart is dealt with and we're we're convicted and we see what the Lord is saying, we're going to be more willing to take those risks. 
That's right. That's right. So, David, uh, what about for you? So we've got He'll kind of a, a risk-averse church and yet massive need. I mean, like massive, massive need, right? So yeah. uh, as you think about that, what are the kind of the first steps towards a well, better engagement? The What I heard, Steve, from you is maybe the same thing I'm often feeling why even answer? We're so frustrated sometimes, those of us who understand what a gospel dead zone is, what it's like to be surrounded by tens of thousands of people who have never once heard the gospel. They never will unless something changes. And so you want to give this little step to someone who really, in the end, chances are, statistically speaking, if you take all the emotion out of it and go Justin Long from, you know— uh, it's they're just not going to really care. Chances are, statistically speaking, most Christians just don't care about the unreached. Mm. From finances to... So I, I guess what I initially heard is your frustration. I share that. I share that because I want to answer your question, Mike. I want to say, you know, you got to do this and then this, and then if you do that, you're going to really catch a heart for the unreached. Perspectives on the World Christian Movement, awesome resource, perspectives.org. Um, it'll help you read the Bible with God's ultimate storyline, the epic narrative um, at the forefront of your reading. You want Bible otherwise from there. But in the end, yeah, unless the Holy Spirit moves, unless the Lord of the harvest tugs on the heart of those his workers, um, I, I don't know what to do. We need to keep beating the drum, and that's what we're all going to do. Is there a frustration in continually saying nearly the same content on our YouTube channels and Facebook live streams, right? (laughs) We're we're always saying the same thing. Who's listening? Somebody tunes in for a minute. Uh, um, God, Lord of the harvest, uh, let our hearts be broken with compassion, like the compassion of Jesus who saw people like sheep without a shepherd. And Mm. and, um, I can keep trying to pull out those emotional heartstrings and show there's recently um, a video streaming around. I don't know if you guys have seen it. A bunch of Karini kids from uh, Karin State in, in Myanmar all huddled around in this ditch outside their village while um, planes overhead from the Burma military are flying by or bombs are going off and they're all praying and crying. It's a very moving clip. It's from Free Burma Rangers with David Eubank. And um, you know, those make it onto the onto people's feeds. They they see it and they're like, oh man, that is that's sad. And then they get on with their life and nothing really ever changes. So I can right. keep pulling on emotional heartstrings. I can keep telling about these unreached people groups and the you know, the, the name the ethnic tribes that we go to with Energy Global, but it's true. Unless the Lord, unless the Holy Spirit stirs our hearts to care about the things that break his heart. Nothing will change. And is there some way of eliciting that? I think we can definitely uh, be catalysts and agents of change uh, to bring the message, to remind people of this great proclamation. Um, I cannot change a heart. I I might be able to stir a heart, but I cannot change it. And um, Mm. ultimately, in the end, people who catch a little conversation like this or see that clip that I just mentioned or whatever other avenue that God uses, um, we need to pray, Lord of the harvest, send more workers into your harvest fields. Because it's true. The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. And there are millions who have never once heard the gospel. 
And um, going back to what you were saying, Steve, and then Mike, you reiterated, if we're not actively sharing our faith, if we're not involved in evangelism, um, I, I question, I have to question our love for Jesus because you're going to mm-hmm. catch me talking about my wife a lot. I really like her. I plan to stick around with her for some time. You know, <laughs> it's natural for me. Inevitably, I want to talk about her. So right. I've never even taken a class, you know, on how to talk about Lorna Joanne, like Steve said. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, that's good. And so, yeah, for those of you watching, um, I hope you hear our hearts, right? That, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry for my passion came out a little bit there. Yeah, no, no, that's perfect. I mean, we're all sort of kind of in that same boat, right? I mean, a lot of what we do at 1-8 Catalyst is try to figure out, okay, we've got a Western church that clearly could reach these unreached people groups if they had the determination to do so, and yet they're not. And so what's the problem there? And obviously a lot of what we have focused on is, um, you know, first you really do need to be a, a, a fully devoted disciple of Jesus. And so the content there, uh, know how to share your faith, uh, share the gospel, uh, because you're not going to be effective at doing that overseas unless you're already doing it at home, right? In fact, more and more missionary sending agencies are are asking people who are who for an overseas, you know, um, assignment. What are you doing right where you live? Because uh, there's nothing that's going to be effective about a a plane trip, you know, or, or you're not going to become an effective evangelist by, you know. Uh, unless you're already doing it. So um, so I guess as we begin to wrap up this episode, guys, obviously I would want the people watching to know that um, some are called to go to these places overseas, some are not, but we all have the command to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. For some of us that might be locally and those that are called locally can uh, support those who are called to go, uh, who are called to go overseas. And, you know, guys in the, uh, show notes, I'd mentioned this story of a man, Andrew Fuller, who was really the, the background guy for William Carey, who, um, was one of these pioneer missionaries to India. And, you know, um, William Carey's, um, uh, message to Andrew Fuller, who was really a great support back home, was, I will go down into the pit if you will hold the ropes. And um, part of that is, yes, we need people who go down into the pit, but boy, we need a lot of people to uh, hold the ropes too. So, um, so guys, how does that sort of into this episode hit you guys? I mean, we're all called, right, to do to, to obey those commands. For some of us, it's locally. For some of it's overseas. David, what would your uh, final thoughts be on all of that? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> it takes me back to kind of maybe the theme of um, the mind of a missionary when I was writing it. I was talking about what is the ultimate underlying drive and motivation that that um, sends us out? And, and if it's going to be it, – oftentimes – it is very individualistic, this culture, risk averse, individualistic society. And and we're talking about how it affects my life. And, and so 
if we're talking about compassion for the lost, inevitably that will wane over time. Obedience to the commands of Christ will become drudgery <laughs> if there's not an ultimate uh, motivation that really draws us on. I believe, believe mm. that's God's glory, the glory of God, worship. Um, these are the things, like John Piper says, will remain forever. Missions is just a short-time makeshift gig that we got to do because if you got to change the light bulb above me, we put a ladder, we climb up the ladder, change the light bulb, and then step down, and then put the ladder away. In the end, <clears throat> the same thing has happened of, uh, of missions. We're doing missions because worship does not exist. And so right. God's glory at the ultimate motivation, underlying factor of why we would even consider in the gospel with others um, – these are the things that last. God's glory lasts forever. And the makeshift scaffolding is is this call to proclaim. We're not going to be doing missions among unreached people groups and evangelism and discipleship in heaven. <laughs> you know, right. it's gonna be it's it's all over by then. So That's we got right. this one short window before mm. sunset. Right. And um and and I believe God's heart <clears throat> is that he wants none to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. But he loves us so much that he's willing to even withhold himself at times and include us in his plan. I don't understand that thought. It's it's amazing to me how God treats us in this, mm. right? Mm -hmm. um, if I want something done, I'll just get it done. But to <laughs> withhold yourself and, and include someone else, that's a powerful thing. That's what God is doing for us for <laughs> missions and for Amen. the great call. It's an exciting joyful journey and there, there's difficulty along the pathway but if god's glory is the is the ultimate motivation or drive behind what we're doing that he would receive the the reward of his suffering that that reward is people people from every nation tongue tribe and language you know and region mm. people group that's great yeah thanks for that and steve what about you in terms of final thoughts as you think about you know we're all called to be a part of this some go down to the pit, some are holding the ropes, some are involved locally. Uh, what are your final thoughts on uh, on that? Well, the famous saying, at least when I started out, pray, give, or go. You know, there's <laughs> been a number of sermons. Unequivocally, I can't stand that statement. Okay? Oh. <laughs> Everyone needs to be okay. praying. Everyone needs to be going. And going doesn't necessarily mean cross-culturally. Going could be... That's in right. your own neighborhood, in your own, but we're all called to right. pray. We're all called to go somewhere. And cross-culturally, I've dealt with enough people to know there are enough Americans I don't want going cross-culturally. So I am not in the least trying to get American Christians to all leave this country and go somewhere else. So uh, many are called to stay. Some are called to go for sure. But we're also all called to give. I don't even give missionaries an excuse for not giving. If a missionary right. is going to ask people to support them, they better be supporting another missionary, in my opinion. I tell that to anyone and everyone feels like they're called to go out. You better get out. If you don't have any money, so what? Give a dollar. So there is no one right. without an excuse to pray, give, or go. So we can all be goers. We can all be senders. I know in the cross-cultural sense, yes, not everyone's going to be a goer. Uh, we still need people who are going to stay behind and, and, and lower us down into the depths of darkness. Um, I get that. That is definitely true. 
Um, and I would, and I would, but I would, in saying that, I would argue we're, we should all, especially those of us in the West who have an abundance of resources compared to most of the world, we should all be mm. involved in some degree of cross-cultural ministry, whether it be going or sending. Uh, we can generally all give something. We can all pray. We can um, oftentimes, if we can afford to go to Disney World every year for vacation, we can afford to go on a mission trip somewhere and, and give our time. I don't, mm. you know, if we say God hasn't called me there, well, did he call you to go to Disney World? Did he call you to go to Starbucks every day? You know, <laughs> you know, we've all got resources to do whatever we want with. It's just a matter of what is our heart saying. So anyways, there's my That's response. Right. That's great. No, it's about priorities, right? And clearly, um, I, you know, maybe the final word here is that, you know, if we have a, if we've been given this fantastic gift of the gospel and an eternity with Christ, um, uh, yeah, we ought to be sharing it with others, right? Whether that's locally or around the world. So um, to keep it to ourselves quite frankly, is, is selfish, isn't it? <laughs> so, well, thanks guys. And David, we're, we're always so thankful to have you. And, you know, again, it brings up a lot of, you know, warm feelings of the, yeah. the things we used to do back in the day. And it's yeah. always great to have you. We're so, so glad. And you have so, a much nicer background than we do. <laughs> yes, well, it, you do. as of a couple days ago, I, uh, just a couple days ago, I didn't, but I've been working on kind of getting missions pulse, uh, up and going with a kind of different style and theme. So um, I'm not trying to shame you publicly, you know, <laughs> just, no, pass it, just passively. It. So David, if people want to find missions talk and learn more about your ministry, what would be the, the best ways for them to do that? Yeah. Well, um, missions pulse, but I would have said the same thing, Mike, because you always say missions talk and I always say missions pulse. I would struggle to say missions, uh, talk as well but um yeah missionspulse.com takes you to the podcast david joannis my name.com uh links to everywhere and then within reach global we've been so blessed to see so many people in fact we have um one two three four four families joining in the next two months um three That's families right. from the philippines uh, one of which is my brother-in-law and uh, so really excited with the growth here. But that's at withinreachglobal.org. It's not on that screen. But um, davidjoannis.com leads to everywhere. So thanks for the chance to do a shameless plug. No, and, we're uh, always happy to do that. And yeah, uh, yeah so we um, sure appreciate your ministry. So we encourage everyone to check out everything you're doing. And uh, so thanks again for being here. And we want to thank you all the, for watching. And hopefully this has been at least some encouragement to to get out there and to share the gospel with those in your local area and around the world. We're so thankful that you're um, uh, watching and with us and we appreciate you all. And yeah, we'll look forward to having you with us on the next episode of Missions Talk. To find out more about Missions Talk or to watch previous episodes, please go to facebook.com forward slash missions talk. It is on our Facebook page that we have the catalog of all of our episodes. To find out more about my organization, 18 Catalyst, please go to 18catalyst.org. And to find out about Steve's work with Silk Road Catalyst, please go to silkroadcatalyst.com. 
Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to having you with us on the next episode of Missions Talk.